Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning. Hi, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well. I always pray that. The sun is shining here in Beloit, Kansas, and I pray it is with you. And in any case, the sun, S-O-N, is always shining, whether we see him or not. He was shining on the cross. He was shining in the sepulcher. Um, He is always there. He is God. He is always with us. He always loves. He's a God of love. He cannot do anything but love. He loves you. And some of you say, like me, um, oh, Mother, I don't know. He shouldn't love me. Uh, Well, this is true. He shouldn't love you, but on the other hand, he should. Uh, According to us, no. According to our standard, no, we're sinners. But according to him... It's not a characteristic love of God. He is love. And so he should love us because he needs to be true to who he is. And he does love us. He loves us enough to chasten us, to uh, prune us, uh, all of that. Um, There's a little story I told some time back. And it's of a a cleaning woman in a building. And... Uh, It was late at night, and most of the lights were off, but she was on one floor, and she saw a light in an office all the way down the hall. And so she was curious, and she walked down there. She would have been down there cleaning it anyway. And she walked into a room, and she saw a man uh, with a chisel and a huge marble. Um, and he was doing something with it. And so she walked around to the other end, and she saw the head of Abraham Lincoln, and he was chiseling it away, chiseling around it. And she said to him, Sir, how did you know Mr. Lincoln was in that rock? You see? And God looks at us, and he sees his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, if we're baptized Um, If we're Catholic, if we are uh, following God, he sees his son, our our Lord Jesus Christ, his son. And um, he he needs, though, he's the divine chiseler, he's the divine potter, he's the divine uh, architect. And so he has to chisel away everything that is not Christ until the day that we awake in his glory. You see? So... If you're suffering, you're in pain, um, then he's chiseling away whatever is not like him. And part of our being like him is to take up our cross and follow him and enter into his very sufferings. Um, As the Apostle Paul said to the Colossians, I suffer for the sake of Christ. Um, and so do we for his sake, but it turns out to be much more for our sake. So it's a wonderful. I am going to continue with the article we had. We began the last two days, and it is titled, 
What does it mean for the Catholic Church to be visibly one? No, we've got one before that. That is part two. The one we're looking at is, what does it mean for Catholics to believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church? The four marks of the church, one holy Catholic and apostolic. What does that mean for us to believe that? And Oh my goodness, um, where did I leave off? I, I highlighted it, but I think it got unhighlighted. So let me just scroll a bit and find out where we were. Um, oh dear, um, I'm going to get there. Patience, a little bit of patience. Um, yes, we were here yesterday. Um, the, the content of this profession, because what he's saying is that first we learn um, um, what not um, objectively, that is the truth, the doctrine that we must believe as Catholics, as children of God, not just as Catholics. God formed one church, holy, uh, one Catholic, holy and apostolic church, and it is the faith once delivered to the saints. It doesn't keep evolving. There's no way. It is the faith, cannot be changed, uh, delivered uh, to the saints by God himself. And so first, it's an objective faith. It doesn't depend on our understanding, our agreement, anything like that. It is the faith, and it needs to be taught uh, to us. And secondly, we need to receive it. Um, and then it becomes um, uh, subjective because now we believe it. So it comes, it's taught to us initially from outside objectively. Then we believe it and it becomes internal, subjective. And then we need to live it and we need to profess it. And this is the content today of our profession. We read maybe a paragraph of it yesterday. We'll continue here. What is the content of this faith, the faith, once delivered to the saints? The one faith taught by the church, says Barry, I don't know the full name, I forget the reference to him. It is not merely an acceptance of Christ as Savior, with confidence in his merits and his will to save. No, it is not just a set of fundamental doctrines upon which all who claim to be Christian could agree, such as uh, things like the Trinity or the resurrection. No, 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 no. It is not just those things solemnly defined by a pope or a council. Instead, it is an adherence to the whole body of doctrine. Uh, a quote from Barry, it is a well-known fact that the church has always descended, excuse me, it is a well-known fact that the church has always demanded strictest unity in the profession of faith. Those who refuse to profess even a single doctrine were condemned as heretics who had already ceased to be members. See, I often say um, that if you call yourself Catholic and you do not believe, you disagree with one issue that Catholics need to believe, you're no longer Catholic, you're Protestant, which puts you in the category of, of heretics. 
Um, And here is someone from way back in early church history who said the same. He said, by then, it is a well-known fact that the church has always demanded the strictest unity in the profession of faith. Those who refused to profess even a single doctrine were condemned as heretics who had already ceased to be members. Now, in reference to Protestants at the Reformation, Martin Luther and Zwingli and Calvin and all of those who left the Catholic Church to form their own form of Christianity with which they could agree, they were heretics. Um, it's very difficult to call Protestants a heretic today. Protestant, Protestant, it's easy for you to say, Protestantism is a heresy, but Protestants, that's another matter. I was a very fervent evangelical Protestant for 18 years from my Jewish background before I became Catholic. Was I a heretic? Well, I would not say so. Uh, I became, I was introduced to Christ, to salvation by people who love God, and it's the only form of Christianity I was introduced to, so I wasn't um, rebelling against anything. I was not a Protestant. Um, But the entire um, system of belief uh, is heretical if you compare it to what our Lord established through the apostles and must be believed. So if you're a Protestant today, are you a heretic? You, I don't think you are, but you are in a heretical system, and God will not hold you as accountable as those who left the Catholic Church and knew what they were doing. Um, but you need to take a look um, into the Catholic Church to see why one church has stood with all the likes of us in it, scandals and everything, one church for 2,000 years against Protestantism that has split over 40,000 times in a little more than 500 years. If the Catholic Church were man-made, it would have split a 1,000 times by now. Okay, let me continue with the article. This is substantially the same idea given magisterial authority by Leo XIII, Pope Leo XIII, in his encyclical Satis Cognitum, Cognitum. Um, I'm not that good at Latin, you see. It was this, it was thus the duty of all who heard Jesus Christ, if they wished for eternal salvation, not merely to accept his doctrine as a whole, but to assent with their entire mind to all and every point of it, since it is unlawful to withhold faith from God, even in regard to one single point. Can you say, Lord, I'm Catholic, I believe everything, um, except that I, I don't, I have trouble with abortion, I have trouble with same-sex unions, I have trouble with um, sacrificing on Fridays, I have trouble with all these things. Well, then you're not Catholic. You're telling that to the God who gave the faith to the world that we might be saved. And you say, well, I agree with everything, it's just this one point. Well, then you put, make yourself higher than God, and God cannot accept you. There's only one God. Um, if we make ourselves higher than God, we have that freedom, but we will not be in, in the heaven that that God has created for us. There's the music, dear ones. And um, we'll be back right after the break and continue with the article. And then at the half hour break, we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails. 
uh, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live. But I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so thrilled that we could be together live um, and alive, and alive in our one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And that's what we're reading now. About that, Pope Leo XIII said, It was thus the duty of all who heard Jesus Christ, if they wished for eternal salvation, not merely to accept his Christ's doctrine as a whole, but to assent with their entire mind to all and every point of it, since it is unlawful to withhold faith from God, even in regard to one single point. Hence, Pope Leo XIII continues, Hence, as the apostles and disciples were bound to obey Christ, so also those whom the apostles taught were, by God's command, bound to obey them, and therefore it was no more allowable to repudiate one iota of the apostles' teaching than it was to reject any point of the doctrine of Christ himself. The practice of the church has always been the same, as is shown by the unanimous teaching of the fathers, who were wont to hold as outside Catholic communion 
and alien to the church, whoever would recede in the least degree from any point of doctrine proposed by her authoritative magisterium. Shall I reread that? The practice of the church has always been the same, always 2,000 years, beloved, as is shown by the unanimous teaching of the fathers who were wont to hold as outside Catholic communion and alien to the church, whoever would recede in the least degree from any point of doctrine proposed by her authoritative magisterium. So, dear ones, Millions are confused in our day with all that's been said and done and uh, tremendous confusion and have been pain, in pain with it, have left the church, just haven't known what to do. Um, but I will tell you there is no reason for confusion. Our Lord is truth himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What he gave to the apostles has been handed down for 2,000 years. The same Holy Spirit that has kept the infallible authoritative word of God has kept the faith once delivered to the saints, whether it's written, Paul says, Second Thessalonians 2.15, um, to hold fast to what you've heard, either by word of mouth, that's oral teaching, or by letter. Hold fast the tradition uh, that has been handed down to them. Capital T, not the tradition of men, but the tradition of God, and God is able to hold that tradition um, because he has given it, and the Holy Spirit uh, will lead us into all truth, saith the scriptures, to the end of time. And so, um, if you hear any teaching against that truth, um, uh, then it is not so. And you say, but it comes from so-and-so, doesn't matter who it comes from. Uh, it comes from fallible men, even if the fallible men are the hierarchy or magisterium of the church. They cannot give opinions. They can't just speak what they want. They can, they do, but we don't have to abide by it. In fact, we must not abide by it if it contradicts truth. The article goes on to say there is no indication, not even in the word authoritative, that this is limited to the solemn definitions such as that of the Assumption of the Immaculate Conception. Leo XIII says, one single point, one iota, to the least degree from any point, um, and uh, tradition has taken Pope Leo XIII at his word. And what do we say about submission to the magisterium? The article continues. This unity of faith is based on two things. The content of the doctrine professed, which is caused by the readiness of the faithful to be submissive to the church's magisterium as their proximate rule of faith. I'll reread that. This, this unity, submission to the magisterium, this unity of faith is based on two things. The content of the doctrine professed, which is caused by the readiness of the faithful to be submissive to the church's magisterium as their proximate rule of faith. We must avoid binary thinking. 
the writers consider that the united profession of faith is not jeopardized by some being wrong or ignorant so long as they continue to be submissive to the magisterium. You see, people can be wrong, they can be ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid, it means lacking knowledge. People could be wrong and lacking knowledge, but yet they need to submit to the magisterium, to the official binding teaching of the church. But this is because what is important here is the submission itself and not a mere claim to be submissive to the magisterium. You see, um, we have people in the church who, uh, and in government, uh, I'm withholding names, but you know them, uh, who um, uh, claim to be submissive, they claim to be Catholic, they claim to be submissive to the magisterium, but they are not. And so they are not Catholic no matter what they claim. If they're not submissive to it, they are not Catholic. They have put themselves outside the church. The church doesn't have to excommunicate them. They have excommunicated themselves. A recent talk, an article by um, Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke has said so. Any politician who um, is, a, is a known Catholic and publicly descends from the faith um, has excommunicated himself or herself. <clears throat> The idea that the unity of the magisterium can be preserved by mere claims, some of which might be manifestly false, is crass and legalistic. This is not what the theologians meant. Rather, if someone claims to be submissive to the magisterium and yet is openly denying or doubting dogma and obviously knows what they are doing, their claim is vain. Consider this text from Cardinal Juan de Lugo, who, um, who died in 1660. One moment, beloved, excuse me. Pardon me. He said this, If it be certain by some other means, for example, if the doctrine in question be well known, or if it be obvious from the kind of person and other circumstances involved, that the accused person could not have been ignorant of the opposition of this doctrine to that of the church, he will automatically be judged a heretic. I need to, I, I don't need to, but I'm going to say our current president is the, um, the outstanding example of this. He claims to be doctrine. He says it's his faith that holds him together. And yet he will not have any excuse for being ignorant. Um, it says the accused person could not have been ignorant of the opposition of his doctrine. There's no way that President Biden, who is responsible for uh, increasing millions of uh, babies um, in their mother's wombs being murdered, um, Reversing, well, I won't go into all that, but there's no way he cannot know that. And so, um, 
if it be certain by some other means, for example, um, if the doctrine in question be well known, such as the church's opposition to abortion, or if it be obvious from the kind of person and other circumstances involved that the accused person could not have been ignorant. He is not ignorant, President Biden could not have been ignorant of the opposition of his doctrine to that of the church, he will automatically be judged a heretic. So I can say that President Biden is excommunicated, he has excommunicated himself, and he is a heretic. Don't say, Mother Miriam, who are you to judge? I'm not judging anything. I'm going according to the faith of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It is simply, the article continues, it is simply obvious that those with greater learning have a lower burden of proof to establish their rebellion. Let me reread that. It's simply obvious that those with greater learning have a lower burden of proof to establish their rebellion. We can certainly recognize some situations like this, such as when educated priests publicly deny dogmatic truths on social media platforms. So there are cases where we can know what the necessary subjection um, there are cases where we can know that the necessary subjection is present, some where we can know that it is not present, and many where we can know and so can mostly give the benefit of the doubt to those we cannot know. This is not about judging souls. I'm glad the article said it. I said it, but I'm glad this article is saying it. It's not about judging souls. It is just about recognizing reality and being able to know who is and is not a Catholic. Indeed, individuals are not even primary primarily under discussion here, except as parts of the overall picture. So we can never, dearest, we can never judge anyone's soul. Only God can do that. But we can and must judge their actions. The scriptures tell us that. We can and we must judge their actions. Um, and so that's what we judge. Uh, if, if someone is living an immoral life, we, we don't know their heart. Only God knows that. We don't know their circumstances. But we can judge that they're living in very grave sin. That we can. Um, but regardless, when the church and her theologians say that the unity of faith is a proof of the church's claims, they are referring to the wonderful indisputable fact that Catholics in practice all believed the same things as each other and as their ancestors and predecessors and that they are docilely taught by that magisterium even outside of its solemn extraordinary definitions. They are not only, they not only all believe that our Lord became man, that there are three persons in one God, and so, and so, and so on. They also are habitually docile. For example, um, to the teaching of the encyclicals, encyclicals from the popes. This is why Pope Pius XII could write his encyclical on Humani Generis, and we will we will read his quote. We'll pick up that on that tomorrow. So. 
Oh, bless you, dear ones. And we're going to be back um, with your for your calls, your emails, your texts, your questions. Um, the toll-free number, one 877 5483 or email at We'll be right back. The iCatholic Radio mobile app is two apps in one. Your place to hear great Catholic programs and music. Here's what listeners are saying about the updated iCatholic Radio mobile app. Through the iCatholic Radio app, I have listened to the sermons and teachings several times. The effect has been a deeper understanding of my faith and Catholic tradition. This app has truly been a blessing in my life and has increased my faith. With the new app, you can choose to listen to our programs like Mother Miriam Live or The Catholic Current whenever you like. But you can also switch over to the best in contemporary music by Catholic artists. We even bring you hours of Gregorian chant every Sunday morning. If you do not currently have our app, download it to your iPhone through the Apple Store or to your Android phone by going to Google Play and searching iCatholic Radio. The updated iCatholic Radio mobile app, your one stop for great Catholic programs and music. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. Uh, this is my favorite part of the program. It's our half hour together. Our lines are wide open. You're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I just took a look. It's the only time I do this every day at Life Funder. The... Um, uh, the, the funding arm of LifeSite News that they set up for us uh, for the purchase of our new home. Um, and um, we were there yesterday, and we're going to close on the home, I believe, next week. So it's not ours yet, but we're, we're, we're closing on it next week. That's the hope. And we were there yesterday picking out floors. We have to strip the whole thing, and floors and walls and all of that. So this LifeFunder... 
uh, is is so beautiful, and we're so so grateful for it. And as of today, we're fifty four percent there. The goal is two hundred thousand. We have one hundred and four thousand, which is fifty two percent of the goal funded. So we bless over seven hundred of you have contributed to that, and I bless God for you all kinds of donations. We got a donation in the mail yesterday from uh, a woman. She's been donating to us for maybe 10 years. She's poor. Um, she had two cats. One of them died. And we. she sent us a dollar. She sends a dollar. Whenever she can write, she sends a dollar. And it's just precious because she has no money. And one time she really, I don't know how she got extra money, and she sent us $2. And then when one of her cats died, we sent her money to bury the cat and food for the other cat and all of that. (laughs) She's just so precious. So, again, um, she has, her her and the cat, this is too much, have the same physical ailments. They have the same problem with the same eye, both of them. It's just one of the most precious things ever. So, um, one dollar from your heart, the widow's might is fantastic. Um, someone else donated a thousand, ten thousand, five hundred, ten dollars. Every single donation we love, and it's from your heart. And I know, and you're supporting us through your prayers and your heart, and that means the world to us. It means the world to me. So. If you're able to, go to life, if you wish, um, to help us with our new home. Um, I think we'll be able to get it, but um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but we're not, we don't have the money for all the renovations. We're planning to put down floors and uh, uh, take a, the whole basement and make it into 15 cells, bedrooms for the women. And um, it's going to be a wonderful convent for now. And, and I think the... Uh, I think the de- the um, um, renovations are going to cost more than the house itself, huh? but um, we're very thrilled for it, and, and we, we love being in the providence of God. So if you wish, if you're able uh, to contribute to this, don't hold back for... Um, for concern that you can't give more than a dollar or five dollars, it's not a problem. LifeSite News, uh, the number one website, the number one... Um, pro-life uh, website in the world, they go to over 40 million people. And we are on LifeSate News thanks to the Station of the Cross, their partnership with Station of the Cross. So everything is wonderful. So if 40 million people gave a dollar each, I think we'd go over our goal. Can you imagine that? 40 million people just giving a dollar each, giving a... My goodness, that'd be $40 million. Um everybody can get online, all of you, and give 25 cents. That would be terrific. I don't even think it would need to be 25 cents. I have to figure it out. But everybody could probably do that. Well, most people anyway. Uh, For some people, 25 cents is toward the baby's milk, and you cannot do that. So um, anyway, I'll I'll have to stop here and give you the website. It's www.lifefunder.com. That's L-I-F-E-F-O. U-N-D-E-R dot com forward slash then the initials of our community D-O-M-M-O-I-H Daughters of Mary Mother of Israel's Hope. Okay. We're going to go to your calls, your texts, your emails, and again the toll-free number one eight seven seven. 
5483. We have an email from Adriana, <clears throat> excuse me, who writes, Hello, Mother. <clears throat> How do you feel about the movie The Unholy that was released on Good Friday? This is one of the holiest days of the year for Christians. I feel this is an attack on our Blessed Mother and our faith. Well, our, our beloved engineer, James, says this about that movie, because I didn't have a cue about it. A, not a cue, a clue. <laughs> and James wrote this, or, or gave us this comment. The Unholy is a horror film which follows Alice, a young, hearing-impaired girl, who after a supposed visitation from the Virgin Mary, is inexplicably able to hear, speak, and heal the sick. As word spreads and people from near and far flock to witness her miracles, a disgraced journalist um, hoping to revive his career visits the small New England town to investigate. When terrifying events begin to happen all around, he starts to question if these phenomena are the works of the Virgin Mary or something more sinister. Well, with James's help, I took a quick look um, at the trailer, and it is awful. Uh, do not watch it. Do not go. Do not give that movie a penny. Don't go to see it out of curiosity. It is a horror movie. It is a total disgrace to the Virgin, the Blessed Virgin Mary, to the Catholic faith, to God himself. Do not go. Do not see it. It is awful. Now, I know some people, when it's a movie is described that way, I've just encouraged you to see it, to see how bad it is. Don't do it. Don't do it. Definitely do not take children to it. Absolutely not. Um, if, if you don't want to sicken your soul, don't see it. But in no case, let children see it. Okay, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm very grateful for your program, and I listen daily. I'm so glad for that. Hold on a moment. I think I have a little cold. Hold on. My husband, <clears throat> she says, my husband and I live in a small rural town and only have the Novus Ordo Mass, that's the new order of Mass since Vatican II, to attend. You mentioned that all of Easter is first-class feast days, that's correct, and that we should be celebrating as such the whole of the season. My question has to do with ideas on how to celebrate. Now, I tell you, beloved... Um, whether or not you go to the Novus Ordo Mass, um, you can take a look at the tradition of the church and the celebrations and the feast days and all that was done prior to the Novus Ordo and still go to the Novus Ordo. It's valid. You can still go to the Novus Ordo, um, but you can discover, as we have, these wonderful traditions of the church. And so Passion Week... Uh, it didn't begin with Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was the second Sunday of Passion Week. So uh, we've we've just eliminated um, uh, octaves and holy days, and uh, it, it's and and uh, many feasts have been moved to Sunday to make it 
possible for Catholics to attend or convenient, and they don't even know what the feast day is. We, I think we have truly been robbed of our faith. In, in all those ways, I believe we've been robbed of our faith. And I, I think those, whoever was in charge, did not believe that Catholics really love their faith. And we want all that. It's all informative. It teaches us our faith. We want it. It's, it's 2,000 years old. Why would you want to make it easier for us, uh, which has resulted only in heartbreak and being robbed of the faith wants to live it to the saints. It's, it's been a, a real tragedy and a tremendous grief. Um, so I'll, I'll reread this sentence. My husband and I live in a small rural, rural town and only have the Novus Ordo Mass to attend. You mentioned that all of Easter is first-class feast days and that we should be celebrating as such the whole of the season. Yes, now, um, uh, Holy Week prior to Easter, um, um, the first class was... Uh, um, Holy Thursday, Holy Friday, and and Holy Saturday, and then, of course, Easter Sunday, and then all of Easter week, which ended this past Saturday, um, every day was a first-class feast of Easter week, but it's no longer first-class now. We're in Paschal time, um, and it's a special time, and it's to be celebrated as third-class, but not first-class. All right. she writes, you mentioned that all of Easter's first-class feast days and that we should be celebrating as such the whole of the Easter season. My question has to do with ideas on how to celebrate. I have, I have immune system issues and cannot eat whole categories of foods, including sweets, bread and pasta, corn, soy, and most dairy. I cannot drink alcohol. My Lenten abstinence consisted of being strict about avoiding all those foods with some failures here and there because it's so hard to eat such a limited diet every day. It also conflicts with eating out, uh, eating at other people's homes, and celebrating feast days. I may be creating too narrow of an idea of celebrating feast days with just food and drink. But other than trying to attend daily Mass during this season, is there anything else I can do? Well, certainly, um, the celebration of the feast days has not to do primarily with food at all. Not at all. Um, it, It can include food, there's no question about that. But um, it doesn't have to do with food. That's not what it's about. It's about loving God. It's about meditating on his passion, meditating on his resurrection, um, redoubling your efforts to live a holy Catholic life and to not keep the faith to yourself, to tell others. So um, food is a kind of dessert. It's, it's added on. But it's not our primary celebration at all. Here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, our celebration is through prayer. Um, uh, and, and maybe special readings. But, um, um, and, and we do eat special foods more than normal. Uh, through all of Lent, we have one, one meal a day. 
and we abstain from meat and other things. But um, so we are eating more now and we do have allowed ourselves desserts, which we don't have during the year outside of Sunday. So um, for you, it, it's, it probably would be uh, easy to celebrate with food, just taking one thing that is allowed that you normally don't have, perhaps. Um, but the celebration, dear one, is in prayer, in reading the church fathers, reading beautiful books on the resurrection um, and on and still on the crucifixion to meditate on that Um, maybe give yourself a rule of life that you haven't had before Um, we have an oblate third order the benedictine oblates of the daughters of mary mother of israel's hope which we have narrowed down to mary's oblates and dear ones if you're listening and you're an oblate there's no way to apologize to you for enough enough i haven't sent anything to you since last fall Uh, it's terrible and you did get our christmas newsletter and inserts but uh, a specific letter to the oblates they have not heard directly from us but but there is a rule of life attached to that um, it is Benedictine. We do have a commentary for oblates on the um, for Benedictine life in the world according to what you can handle, whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, whether you work or not. Everyone needs to adopt it to themselves. There's no shoulds. There's no penalty for not doing it. But it's a wonderful program, and I have just secured, um, oh, I don't know how many... Prayer in Time of Affliction Blessed, O Lord, be thy name forever. Who has permitted this affliction to come upon us? We cannot escape it, but must of necessity fly to thee to help us and turn it to our good. Lord, we are now in affliction. Our souls are ill at ease, for we are much troubled with this present suffering. Let it please thee, O Lord, to deliver us, for poor wretches that we are, What can we do without thee? Thy mighty hand can do all things. Give us patience, O Lord, and strength and peace. Help us, O God, and we will not fear, no matter how grievously we may be afflicted. O Lord, thy will be done. Welcome be the will of God. Sacred heart of Jesus, we place our trust in thee. Amen. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We've got a good 10 minutes. There's no such thing as a bad 10 minutes. A good 10 minutes. It's a gift from God. And you may call in during that time with anything on your heart. Our lines are wide open, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We, w- we were at the break uh, in the middle of an email by a woman who writes in anonymously and she has very severe allergies and is forbidden most foods and so she wanted she's writing to ask how we celebrate the uh, easter tide and easter and holy days and all of that when you can't have all those treats and my response is you can give up the ability to have all those treats and offer that to god as a suffering that's a gift to god um and and i was saying that the celebration uh, we think of food and, and music and different things, but that's not what the Easter celebration is primarily about. Um, we celebrate with extra prayer and um, and readings and meditation on our Lord's crucifixion and resurrection. And again, if there are things you can eat, that's good. Um, but most of the things you mentioned that you cannot have, most people in the world don't have, in any case, without allergies. So um, keep a grateful heart and find out how you can celebrate these special days uh, with additional prayer, additional uh, sacrifice to God, a meditation on the passion of our Lord, um, and virtues that you would like to incorporate that you can practice patience kindness charity all of that that would be the celebration i'm going to recommend a book as well um that may help you because many of the things you have listed here i I cannot eat either And there's a wonderful book, which may or may not help you. It's totally grain-free, no grains at all. Um, and uh, sugar, all of that is gone. So, But it's wonderful, and it's called Breaking the Vicious Cycle. Breaking the Vicious Cycle. Um, I forget the author. I forget the author, but... Um, it doesn't matter. There's only one book by that name, Breaking the Vicious Cycle. Uh, it'll change your life. It'll change your health. And I think it's going to be able to ha- help you. There's no uh, dairy or saw, soy or corn or bread or pas- pasta um, and sweets. And so everything you can't eat is not in that book. But it tells you what you can eat. And it may not just... Um, Um, give you foods to eat, but it may heal your body. Okay, breaking the vicious cycle, and many of you with Crohn's disease, especially celiac, that's the book for you. Um, We have a text from Elizabeth who writes, Mother Miriam, I'm a single Catholic woman. I would love to foster children when I'm finished with school. 
I'm in my 20s and in graduate school, and I would would wait to foster until I'm finished with school and I'm working in my field, which will mean waiting until my early 30s. Would I be doing foster children a disservice by caring for them in my home if I remain single? I have supportive friends and family, and my career, my college professor, has relatively flexible hours. Oh, my career as a college professor has relatively flexible hours. Thank you, Mother. Elizabeth, um, for you to adopt children, even as a single woman, hold on, sorry. They usually come in two, so I'm waiting, but we'll see. Um, For you to adopt children, to be a foster mother to children who others will not adopt um, as a single woman is absolutely magnificent. Uh, At the moment, I cannot think of the woman, the Protestant woman, she's, I think she should be a Catholic saint, um, who did just that. And she wound up having opening up an orphanage by herself and having hundreds of children. I think it's a fantastic idea, but not if you're going to be a college professor. Um, I think if you're going to adopt children, your career needs to be them. Uh, otherwise, um, they're already suffering uh, the devastation of not being with their parents. That's a, an incredible devastation. I worked for a home for I worked for the orphanage where Marilyn Monroe grew up actually it's now called the um the Hollygrove Children's Home but it was the uh um oh, I, I forget uh Los Angeles Children's Orphanage is what it was um but and it's still legally under that name and they take in children that um who've been abused who've been placed from one institution to another whose parents don't want them or they're orphans for one reason or another. And they, when they're adopted, uh, and many are, and there's wonderful stories of that, but they need all the parents' attention. They need a stay-at-home mom. So um, I would say, Elizabeth, um, if you don't have the money to not work, or if you can have a a career of teaching, of homeschooling. This might be an idea. You can open up a business very much needed of uh, rather than being a college professor, even though you're capable of that, you can take on a greater challenge of teaching children <laughs> um, and open up a um, homeschooling business, so to speak, uh, in your home. And women who may be single parents who cannot homeschool their children and do not want to turn them over to the an evil public school system or anything else, um, you can gather those children at home and teach them along with yours. And you'll be paid for it, you'll have the money, and you'll be able to be with your children full time. I think it's the only way to do it. And if you don't want to do that, um, I would say ask God if... He wants you to be married and then marry a man who wants to take in many foster children. He can work and you can stay home. I'm not saying you wish any of this, but those are my ideas. Okay. Um, We have an email 
uh, from Len. Hold on. <clears throat> I have an email from Len <clears throat> who says, Mother, bless you for your faith and sharing. A very dear friend has recently introduced me to the faith and your podcast. Len, dear, I'm going to begin your email, and I we have uh, about a minute and a half to the uh, not even that, less than a minute to the end of the program. So I'll give it a start, but I'll continue tomorrow. Len says, I was born and raised in a Jewish family, although not particularly religious. My daughter, Julie, although bar mitzvahed, uh, bat mitzvahed rather, did not follow our faith strongly. Years ago, she married a born-again Christian and is now divorced. Oh, I'm so sorry. Julie now lives with Steve, oh dear, who is also divorced, but they are not married. Oh dear, dear, dear. Len, we have to continue this tomorrow, but I will pray for you and ask all our listeners all over the world to pray for Julie's conversion and for her to live a saintly life and pray for wisdom for Len. Um, We'll be back with you tomorrow, beloved. God bless you. And um, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, um, and your neighbor as yourself. If you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, your mind included, you will love the Catholic faith. (laughs) My prediction. God bless you. Speak to you tomorrow.